It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey guys, it's Nick here. Sam's away at the moment because he's getting married. I'm so excited for you, Sam. Congratulations, you're a very, very lucky man. Welcome to this Fiction Predictions bonus episode. I wanted to take this opportunity this week to talk about something that's going on right now in America. Are you in a Handmaid's Tale outfit? Well, basically, we're all handmaids now. So my name is actually of Jost. The abortion bans in the States and the protests in response, which saw women dressing up in the red robes and white bonnets made famous in Margaret Atwood's dystopian novel turned TV sensation. I don't know if y'all heard, but women are the same as humans. (laughs) And I'm Leslie Dracaris Jones. Why do all of these weird-ass men care about what women choose to do with their bodies anyway? Some people may say it seems far-fetched. I don't think, Leslie, I don't think society is quite there yet. You would think that. But this is how it starts. I'm out living my life, then I see on the news a bunch of states are trying to ban abortion and then tell me what I can and can't do with my body. Next thing you know, I'm in Starbucks and they won't take my credit card because I'm a woman instead of the regular reason, which is I don't have no money on it. But it's also not the first time it's happened. Back in 2017, when Ohio passed an abortion ban, women showed up in Handmaid's Tale costumes to uh, signify their protest. Colorful but silent protest at the Ohio State House today as the latest battle over abortion legislation gets underway. Women in Argentina have done it in the past, women in Poland and in many other countries. So it seems that the Handmaid's Tale is more poignant and relevant today than ever. Protesters evoking the Handmaid's Tale are surrounding the state house. It's just the latest example of protesters dressing up in costume to get their point across. We'll reserve part two of our Orwell discussion for next Friday, um, which is the eve of 1984's 70th anniversary since publication. It seemed a perfect fit. Since we started the podcast, recognition that fiction tends to predict aspects of the world that we live in today has seemingly skyrocketed, and the Handmaid's Tale used as a protest in America during a time when women's reproductive rights and their freedom of choice is increasingly under threat is perhaps the most pressing and important example. But it's forbidden now. We even had a few listeners urging us on Twitter to do an episode about it, so 
We did. So many things are forbidden now. Today's episode is split in two parts. Praise be to you. In the first part, May God. we're going to talk about a New Yorker cartoon. Make me truly worthy. That went viral a couple of weeks ago. That seems to crystallize everything that Fiction Predictions is about in one single image. And in the second part, I'm going to hand off the microphone to two of my female colleagues here at Mashable, and they're going to have a more contextual and in-depth conversation about the impact such abortion bans can have on the lives of real women all around the world. There's been some protests that have all kind of got a major theme that is The Handmaid's Tale. That is a trope that is, is now becoming completely synonymous with the abortion ban situation in the US. And why, why do you think that is such a poignant symbol for people? Well, I think because the activists have actually been really effective <laughs> at what they do in making the the outfits um, that you see worn in the, in the Hulu series, The Handmaid's Tale, and it's a powerful visual. They also go into state legislatures. It's a touch point that a lot of people understand um, that means something about, you know, women being silenced, women being second-class citizens. That's my name women having no power and it resonates okay here we go part one so our story today begins with a new yorker cartoon that went viral a couple of weeks ago for people who are uh, getting their cartoon uh, uh, entertainment from from podcasts uh this is the best way to get it. Uh, I'm going to describe visually what it is. That's Joe. I'm Joe Dater, and I've been a, a cartoonist contributing to The New Yorker uh, since 2006. He's behind a viral cartoon The New Yorker posted on May 13th. It was the daily cartoon, and for The New Yorker, they have their uh, website, newyorker.com, and every morning they put up a cartoon by one of the roster of cartoonists. And so they reserve the website for ones that are very, very much commenting on that day's news or the previous day's news. It's got 110,000 likes on Instagram alone. I think, I think so, yeah. And it really hits the nail on the head when it comes to our idea of fiction predictions. Uh, it's a cartoon of two bookstore employees and uh, one of them is carrying a big stack of books and the titles are like 1984, the Handmaid's Tale. You've also got Fahrenheit 451. Brave New World. Uh, Clockwork Orange. The Hunger Games. The Road. And it's a it's a stack of dystopian fiction. And the one employee says, can you give me a hand moving these? And you see that it, they're moving them from fiction to nonfiction. There's a few dusty, unmarked books left on the fiction shelf. But that's it. All the other dystopian novels are in the hands of the bookstore employee. Of all the books, Joe says The Handmaid's Tale was the one he wanted to single out as commentary about what's going on in America today. Uh, yeah, you know, it was it was largely because of a thing that happened last week where in uh, in the state of Georgia, they had uh, enacted some very, very uh, uh, draconian, is the word, uh, abortion laws. And uh, so a lot of the talk about that was, oh, my God, this is literally heading towards a Handmaid's Tale. And I kind of absorbed that. And I was trying to see what what can I do about a Handmaid's Tale coming the Handmaid's Tale coming true. So Joe kicked around some ideas with handmaids going around. And that didn't seem to work. It could could be taken the wrong way before settling on the bookstore joke. And then I thought, well, why not have it be a stack of uh, almost like a list of dystopian fiction? You know, it's, as I say, it's a bit tongue in cheek. If you look at the list of dystopian titles on that on that bookshelf or that the stack of books that employee is carrying they get progressively more apocalyptic 
as you go down. And finally, the last one is Planet of the Apes, which is kind of the punchline as far as I'm concerned. Uh, that might be where we're heading. So I don't, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to, I'm not going to stand by that as a, as a bold statement of my belief in what is actually happening politically or think that I can affect it one way or the other. So it was simply, um, an attempt to, to put something I was feeling and I felt other people were feeling into a, into a picture. And he was right, because the cartoon seems to have hit a nerve. It seems to have been able to communicate something that could not have gotten across any other way but through art. He wanted to encapsulate what people around him were feeling. And what I'm feeling. In one single image. And what a lot of people are feeling is, plain and simple, fear. Fear that women are losing control over their bodies... Fear that the disorienting political system is slowly chipping away at their rights. They were dirty women. Handmaid's Tale style. Fertility is a gift directly from God. You girls will serve the leaders of the faithful and their barren wives. You will bear children for them. Sam and I will be dedicating another episode to the TV show and novel, but today I'd like to play you this discussion about abortion bans and the relevance of The Handmaid's Tale between Rachel Thompson, who's Mashable's senior culture reporter here in London. Right, yes. So And Rebecca Ruiz, who's our senior features writer based in the States. Exactly. Okay, Rachel takes the story away now. I mean, I'm obviously based in London and we have been watching on with horror um, as, you know, ab these abortion bills have been passed in the US. And I wonder, Rebecca, as you're based in the, you know, on your West Coast in the US, um, if you could give us an explanation of what's what's been happening um, on your side of the of the drink, as my mother would say. Um, I think you're right to feel horror because since the beginning of this year, we've had several states pass what are effectively bans on abortion. Um, the states are Alabama, Kentucky, Georgia, Ohio, Mississippi, and um, Missouri, which is expected to sign a ban soon. And what these bans do typically is outlaw abortion at six weeks, which is around six weeks. Um, they're using the detection of cardiac motion in a, in a fetus as the benchmark there. And that is just frankly earlier than most women know they're even pregnant. So these bans are, we know they're unconstitutional, um, but they're purposely unconstitutional because the point is to have one of those cases go before the Supreme Court with the hope that Roe v. Wade uh, will be overturned. And that's that's the end game here. Right. And could you just um, give us a brief explanation of what uh, what you mean by Roe v. Wade, just for people who might not be familiar? Yes. Yes. So Roe v. Wade is the Supreme Court case that basically guaranteed a constitutional right to abortion um, in about 40 years ago. When you hear Roe v. Wade, you instantly think of abortion. Well, it's much more than that, actually. In 1973, Roe v. Wade recognized a woman's constitutional right to an abortion, but the ruling was actually much broader. It gave women the privacy to make their own medical decisions, saying that that was protected under the 14th Amendment. So if you live in a state that has passed one of these bans, like Alabama, Kentucky, or Mississippi, you would effectively not have access to abortion in your state. So what we're looking at is basically access to abortion care being dependent on where you live. And as we know, um, women who seek abortions where they live, especially in some of these states that have already passed these bans, don't actually have many options. In some states, there are only one abortion provider for an entire state. Um, there are abortion funds that help people 
uh, pay for transportation and childcare um, and taking time off of work. Um, and those, you know, resources, I mean, they're, they're already very limited. Um, and so you'd basically see people not having access to abortion at all. Missouri could become the first state in the nation with no abortion clinic. I know this must feel very strange. This Planned Parenthood facility in St. Louis going to court to stay open beyond Friday, unable to reach an agreement with Missouri's health department to renew its license. This may not seem ordinary to you right now. Louisiana is expected to enact an even stricter law. But after a time, it will. This will become ordinary. Just when you were speaking just then, I was thinking of somewhere kind of closer to home, you know, Northern Ireland, which is part of this country. Um, It's part of the United Kingdom. And, you know, while we were all talking about all of this on social media last week and the week before, there was a lot of people kind of interjecting and being like, well, hang on a sec. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You know, like Northern Ireland has one of the strictest um, abortion laws in the world. As the legal battle continues over Alabama's near total abortion ban, women in Northern Ireland are speaking out about abortion laws where they live. The regulations there are among the most restrictive in the developed world. Women who have abortions in Northern Ireland can face up to life in prison and so can the doctors who help them. And you can't get an abortion even in the case of like fatal fetal abnormalities, rape or incest. And so... In the UK, 28 women a week travel from Northern Ireland to England to gain access to um, safe and legal abortions. And women who can't afford to do that, they have to resort to either buying um, pills on the internet, which is illegal. And if they can't afford to do that, then, I mean, uh, one one activist in Northern Ireland told me that um, people have resorted to, to drinking bleach in order to, you know, start a miscarriage. And so, yeah, I wondered if you could speak to this kind of, you know, how it's, I think it's not just about 
abortion, it's about um, poverty and class as well. Absolutely. And I, I mean, in, in the United States, it's, it's about class and race um, in the sense that the, the people who are going to be most affected by these bans are going to be poor women and women of color and poor women of color in particular. Um, and, you know, it leaves them um, without any control over their own bodies um, without any um, guaranteed access to the health care that they need. Um, and so, I mean, you're you're absolutely right. The women who can afford to fly somewhere or travel somewhere else to a neighboring state in the United States where abortion is legal um, or permitted to, until a certain time period like it is now, um, they won't have a problem. But other so many other women will. Oh, you are so lucky. So privileged. <laughs> Welcome to the friggin' loony bin, right? And there's been there's been some protests that have all kind of got a major theme that is the Handmaid's Tale. That is a trope that is is now becoming completely synonymous with the abortion ban situation in the US. And why why do you think that is such a poignant symbol for people? Well, I think because the activists have actually been really effective <laughs> at what they do in making the the outfits um, that you see worn in the, in the Hulu series, The Handmaid's Tale, and it's a powerful visual. They also go into state legislatures um, and sh- are present but silent often. Um, it's very it's a touch point that a lot of people understand um, that means something about, you know, women being silenced, women being second class citizens, um, women having no power. And it resonates with people um, who are familiar with the the book or the series or who've become familiar with it since then. And it it does you know, it's an alarm bell for people who are worried about it. It's sort of dystopian future in which that doesn't seem so far off now, um, in which, you know, the United States is more like a theocracy and women don't have the right to choose what happens to their bodies, um, don't have the right to decide when they are, are they not pregnant? Um, And that is terrifying to people. When we watch programs like The Handmaid's Tale um, and we read those books as well, do you, they seem almost too far-fetched, but it's, we're now living in a world where it's, it's not, it no longer feels far-fetched. Do you think that women in the United States are worried about the future of their reproductive rights? Absolutely. I, I see a lot of panic, even from friends and um, peers who are in states where there are no uh, bans or are no restrictive abortion laws. And I think that's partly because they know that if it happens on a national level at the Supreme Court, um, that will change a lot. And we don't know exactly what that would change. But there's also this sense of we're all in this together. Um, women who believe in abortion rights understand that even if you know they have the fortune of living in a state where their abortion rights aren't severely restricted, that um, other people who don't have that great fortune, you know, will suffer. And I think that's frightening and alarming. Um, and we can't just let that, um, we can't just take the privilege of where we live for granted. And so I think there's a lot of fear, you know, from everyone. I will say, I want to emphasize though, that none of these bans has gone into effect yet. And um, they are all, 
or several of them are already the subject of lawsuits. Um, so it's important to remember that abortion is still legal in all 50 states. And, you know, what happens next is really a question of what goes on in the courts. Um, I do want to say that when we think about the kind of dystopian future of The Handmaid's Tale and, and thinking it's not so far off now, part of what people feel skeptical about is the sense that their society or their community could change so rapidly um, overnight, you know, where women can't use their credit cards or don't have bank accounts anymore. And I think that's, um, it's good for fiction, but the real problem in our, our lived realities is that, um, is the chipping away of rights, um, over time. And, and that, that is how, uh, change happens, um, whether it's positive or negative. And so it's sort of that, um, <laughs> to use this cliche, but it's the, it's the frog and the pot of boiling water, um, where there are these huge things that prompt outrage, like these abortion bans, but even more than that, there's just this daily onslaught of, um, policy changes, procedural changes, things happening in governmental agencies that aren't, people don't really pay attention to, they don't really grab the same headlines, but change the the foundation on which things are built um, slowly over time. And I think that's something that um, is harder to get a handle on. And I just want to speak momentarily about the kind of the consequences really of, of these laws, because Northern Ireland has had a ban in place for a long time now. We've we've witnessed some of the consequences of these kinds of, you know, really strict abortion bans. And in 2016, um, a 21-year-old woman in Northern Ireland was handed a suspended prison sentence for using, uh, I quote, a poison to administer her own abortion. And so the woman who was actually, she was 19 at the time of her arrest, uh, she couldn't afford to travel to England to get an abortion. And so she bought abortion pills on the internet following the advice of an abortion care clinic. And so, yeah, she received a suspended prison sentence and she was essentially buying pills, which um, I think the World Health Organization has, has said, they've described them as uh, essential medicine. And they're the exact same pills that you would get um, in an abortion clinic in England, Scotland or Wales. But they were, according to the law um, a poison and um, her lawyer described her as a teenager who felt trapped and I think that that is that really I find quite striking that that concept of feeling trapped you are trapped by a law that prevents you from having any autonomy over your own body and and your own life ultimately Um, I mean there is a sense that the more that this can be normalized that, um, you know, it's one in four women in the US who've had an abortion in their lifetime. And it's people, you know, you know, it's your friend, it's your, um, it's your mom, it's your sister, it's your classmate. Um, and those stories just aren't told because of the shame and the shame is actually what, um, keeps these bills alive in some way. Um, the legislators kind of prey on the shame, um, and, and bet on people not speaking out and bet on making this seem like only, um, quote unquote, you, only a murderer would do this, right? Only a really terrible person would do something like this. When in fact, it's, it's people, you know, it's people who don't want to be forced to give birth to a child that was unplanned or is a responsibility that they 
cannot take on at this time for whatever reason. And I think that this, there's this expectation that women should have to defend their choices. So people who are pregnant have, should have to defend why they, why they can't move forward with the pregnancy and they actually shouldn't. You know, it's 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 the right to privacy, which is the basis of Roe v. Wade. It's it's that we all have different complex lives um, and that, you know, being forced to give birth to a child is is beyond the pale. I think we're going to leave it there. So thank you so much. That was um, really, really interesting to hear. Sure. Anytime. Yeah. So thank you. Okay. thanks to both of you. So that's the end of today's podcast special. Thanks so very much to Rachel and Rebecca for coming on to talk about the consequences abortion bans and restrictions have on the lives of women in Northern Ireland and in the United States. Let us know what you thought of this episode. We wanted to see how Fiction Predictions fares as direct commentary to contemporary events, events happening right now, right as you're listening to this, and events that will continue to unfold and develop in the coming months and maybe even years. The Handmaid's Tale has obvious impacts on the present, not least because it has been taken up as symbol and aesthetic by women all around the world over the last few years. To me, that is somehow far more powerful in terms of its role as fiction prediction, because it seems that Margaret Atwood has not only been able to articulate a warning sound, lending a defiant voice to a generation-defining issue, but... Her words have changed how this debate has unfolded before our eyes today, 34 years after the book was published. I'd also like to thank Joe for coming on, and if you haven't seen his brilliantly tongue-in-cheek cartoon about our current obsession to look to fiction as prophecy, we retweeted it on our Twitter account, at predictions underscore pod. Also guys, let us know what you think of these sort of commentary specials where we try to take upon contemporary issues, things that have happened in the past couple of weeks or the past couple of days, and we try to give it a fiction prediction spin. Um, We're curious to know whether you want us to do it on a more regular basis, so do let us know. Next week, Sam and I will go back to the world of 1984 for part two of that episode. I'll be presenting him with three case studies that test just how much of the Orwellian society has come true today. Spoiler. Things are not always what they seem. Anyway, stay tuned, guys. And as always, thank you so much for listening. Okay, bye. Fiction Predictions. Fiction Predictions is a mashable podcast created by Nikolai Nikolov and Sam Hasem. The theme song was composed by Kasperg. The artwork was designed by Bob Algarine. And this episode was edited by me. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.